Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Hey, good morning, Awaken. I uh, hope you're well. Uh, I guess I'll start by saying I hope you had a good Easter. It was a bizarre one. Let's be honest about that. Not meeting and then six inches of snow. Like, we don't have enough to be depressed about. Uh, and also, no masters. Oh my gosh. Somebody said, like, what are we going to, like, what's the NBA going to do? And I was like, I don't even care. But what about the masters? Evidently, they're going to play that in the fall, which will be interesting. But either way, and then it was so cold the last few days. It felt like winter was coming back for us from the grave. Oh no, stay where you are, winter. You will not come back. But at any rate, I hope that I hope that you, you, you ate well and you rested and you were with family or a combination of at least a few of those things left you feeling somewhat full and encouraged on Easter. And also, can I just say that I really miss you all. Like, I'm sitting here by myself, well, Nick's here, uh, recording with me, but, you know, I'm looking out at empty pews and uh, I really miss you. I, I think we were talking about this as a staff the other day that... We all thought it would take a little bit longer to miss gathering on Sundays, you know, as a, as a staff. But um, I'll say for me, it didn't take but like one or two weeks. And I miss hearing your voices in this room. I miss making small talk and giving you hugs and handshakes. And I'm not even a hugger, but I miss giving you hugs. And I miss the us of Awaken community in this room. And I think it's okay to say that out loud. You know, it's a razor's edge, and we got to balance the fact that for many of us, uh, we experience all kinds of of, uh, of privilege and opportunity, and so our suffering is not the same as others. And yet, at the same time, um, I still long to be with you, and I desire to see your faces in this room. And it's okay to say that out loud. So... Um, but I have reason to believe, as my mom always said, that this too shall pass and that one day in the future, your faces will be here and your voices will fill this room. And so until then, we carry on, we do what we can, we uh, love and serve and give ourselves away and reach out to each other and to the world around us and trust that God is still God. So um, we're going to begin this morning by joining our voices or just listening, you choose, uh, but this familiar tune led by our friend Sarah, praise to the Lord Almighty. So let's uh, sing or listen together. And then the kids' blessing also. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul. Mercy does send you 
So a couple of announcements before we jump into the teaching. Number one, I owe you an apology. Those of you who tried to get on the happy hour last Monday, that was 120% my fault. I completely forgot. I was sitting at my kitchen table, like wrapped up work for the day. I was tying flies, you guys. I've gotten back into tying flies. Like I haven't done that since college, but that's what I was doing and just completely spaced that I was supposed to host happy hour. So I'm so sorry if you tried to get in and didn't. Uh, weren't able. We're going to try it again. <laughs> to, uh, I guess it would be tomorrow. Four o'clock. I'm hosting that Monday the 20th. So if you want to join me, there will be a Zoom link on the social medias and in the Awaken Weekly email. Also, uh, we're going to have a Bible study on Sunday night. Mandy and Jess from our staff will be there and joining in on that. That's at 5.30 p.m., and that's 40 Orchards will be leading that. And so, uh, of course, it's virtual, and that link will be in the Awaken Weekly as well. But if you want to see some other Awaken people and study Scripture together, please join in for that. Uh, we have a partnership class today and next week. So if you are trying to get uh, become a partner before next uh, the next annual meeting, which is April, I'm sorry, May 17th, that's happening today at 1 o'clock and next week, the 26th at 1 o'clock. So those two dates for the partnership class. And then, as I mentioned, the annual meeting is coming up on May 17th. So, Lord willing, Jesus, be good to us, uh, we will be able to have that live and in person, and we'll probably um, broadcast that for those who who can't be here or want to be here digitally. But either way, that's May 17th, third Sunday in May, the annual meeting. So, there you go, friends. Um, let's let's, let's Let's do some study. Let's do some teaching. Uh, This week, we begin a new series as we make our way from Resurrection Sunday. We now enter a season in the church calendar called Eastertide, and that is the 50 days between Resurrection Sunday and Pentecost. Pentecost, of course, is the giving of the Spirit. Also, 
the Jews would have celebrated Shavuot, which is also known as the Festival of Booths, when they uh, celebrate God's tabernacling and dwelling with them. And uh, I have always loved this thought experiment as we make our way from Easter. So imagine this with me, if you will. For those who uh, for those who were present at the resurrection and for the first Christians who were trying to make sense of how the world had changed, I'm guessing that one of the questions that would have guided or uh, been on their minds was, what does it mean that Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah of the Jewish people, was crucified and is now resurrected and ascended? Like, what are the implications of these realities? And it just so happens that the gospel writer Luke keeps telling the story in the book that we call Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. Many people would say that that is Luke volume two. And so um, Luke essentially keeps telling the story, and in it, he's showing us and telling us about the first Christians who were essentially doing just that, working out the implications of Jesus's resurrection. Uh, like what changes, what stays the same, what's new, what do we keep going forward, what do we lose going forward, and Acts is the, the telling of that journey. And so this morning, we're going to begin a series with a similar impulse. Uh, we're calling it Implications, Working Out the Resurrection of Jesus the Christ. And so we've selected a number of moments and stories from the book of Acts, and we're going to be going through it together as we make our way towards or through spring and Lord willing, out of COVID world and back to meeting together as one body. Can I get an amen? Uh, so that's the series we're starting this morning entitled Implications. Uh, by definition, implication is the conclusion that can be drawn from something, although it is not explicitly stated. So that's what the series is going to be. We're going to, what are the conclusions we can draw from Jesus' resurrection? What are the conclusions we can draw from God's people shifting from being centered in Israel to then being centered in Jesus? Uh, what are the conclusions we can draw from the first believers who are working this reality out? Like there was no manual. There was no New Testament at that point. So what is it, and, and then what does it tell us about God and God's nature and God's plan all along and where this whole thing is headed the fact that Jesus has been crucified and resurrected and then ascended. So we'll begin this morning in Acts chapter 1. I'll invite you to stand if you are able. And we'll start in verse 1 and read through verse 11. In my former book, the Gospel of Luke, the <clears throat> excuse me, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, ooh, 40, and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? I mean, this is what they were all still hoping for, in some ways still not getting it. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after this, he was taken up from them, uh, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them 
hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up at the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back to you in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. That's the verse we're looking at. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking at the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Pray with me. God, this morning as we turn our attention to this um, unfolding story in the book of Acts of the apostles and those first Christians trying to figure out what does it mean that Jesus is resurrected? I pray that you would guide us, your church, here in 2020 as we try to figure out uh, how to be faithful and to be the people of God in a world that uh, is not anything that we expected it to be. So, Holy Spirit, we need you. Guide us, we pray. In the strong name of Christ and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. You may be seated. Old habits die hard, I guess. Um, okay, where are we? Oh, yeah. Uh, have you ever uh, noticed that communication is like multi-layered? Uh, by that I mean, like, have you ever said something or heard something that functions in multiple ways? For example, like maybe you heard something that was a declaration and a question at the same time. It functions as two different um, communication devices or strategies, or maybe you, you've heard something that was a threat, and at the same time it was unveiling something at the same time. Communication is fascinating in that way, and it can function on multiple levels and in multiple ways all at the same time. And I want to suggest that this very simple line found in verse 11 of Acts chapter 1 is doing just that. On the one hand, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It's a question that's being asked by the angels. Why do you stand here looking at the sky? But then there's a declaration like, the same Jesus who was taken from you will return to you in the same way. So is it possible that this is more than just a simple question? And I want to argue that it functions on multiple layers. It functions as an encouragement. It also functions as an exhortation. Maybe not as much then, but as it does now. And it functions as an invitation. Why do you stand here looking at the sky? Jesus will return to you the same way he was taken from you. So first, an encouragement. Uh, and, and at this point, allow me to sort of work out some pretty deep theological claims that the Christian story, and by virtue of the Christian story, Easter is making. Uh, the questions like, why are we here? What is the purpose of life? Why is there evil and suffering in the world? Is there a God? And if so, does that God care about what's happening to you and me here and now? These are all questions that have occupied the greatest human minds for as long as we've been keeping track. Right? Existential questions and philosophical questions and spiritual questions. And the uniquely Christian and biblical view and the event we call the crucifixion and the resurrection, these are making very distinct offerings to, and answers to the deepest existential and spiritual questions that humans have been asking, right? Why are we here? What's the purpose of life? What is, why is there evil and suffering if God is good? Um, Jesus will return to you the same way he was taken from you is an encouragement to anyone who has suffered. 
It's an encouragement to anyone who's experienced or experiencing oppression. It's an encouragement to anyone who has lost someone that they love, anyone whose body has been overtaken by disease or by death, anyone who's wondered about their place and their value in the world. Because the fact that Jesus will return to you the same way he left you assumes a couple of things. Number one, Jesus isn't dead. Right? Jesus, the fully human and fully divine body, can't return the same way he was taken if he was dead. Like the ascension of Jesus and the message from the angels is an encouragement to the people who heard it first and to those who hear it today. That Jesus is not dead, he's alive, which means that he beat death, he defeated evil and darkness, and he will return to us alive the same way he left us. So to anyone who has suffered, to anyone who experiences oppression, to anyone who's lost someone, to anyone whose body has been ravaged by death or disease, this is an encouragement that Jesus has beaten the very thing that causes those things to happen and will return to us alive. The second thing it assumes is that Jesus has accomplished and set in motion something that he intends to bring to completion. Jesus will return to you the same way he was taken from you is a definitive statement about the long-held hope of the people of Israel that God would one day return to the world and bring about justice and peace for all that God made and declared good. It's a definitive statement about the kingdom of God and the rule or reign intended by Jesus that was accomplished by his death and resurrection that Jesus intends to bring to completion. Right? This is, by the way, why Paul can say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Right? So be encouraged, church of Jesus. What Christ began by defeating death and evil when he died and was resurrected, Christ will bring to completion in you and in me and the entire cosmos that God made and declares good. So no suffering, no war, no global pandemic, no economic recession, nothing can in all of the world, not even death itself, stop this reality from coming to full term. Like this baby's gonna be born. And this is the insane and nearly unbelievable declaration that Easter and resurrection are making, that all of this was accomplished by love. Not by bombs, not by guns, not by power, but by sacrificial love. That this reality will come to term. It's almost unbelievable. And the promise that Jesus will return in the same way that he came is about the kingdom that Jesus' resurrection ensures. And the reminder that Jesus will come again and sit on the throne of that kingdom because he's not dead. He's alive. So be encouraged. Secondly, I would say it functions as an exhortation. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking at the sky? The same Jesus who was taken from you will return the same way he was taken. So here's a question for us. Instead of men of Galilee, to the church called Awaken. Why do you stand here looking at the sky? Like, how much of modern evangelical Christianity is spent standing looking at the sky? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there any sense in which our beliefs about Jesus and the good news of the gospel have left us here standing, looking up at the sky, like waiting for something to happen, waiting for Jesus to come back, waiting for Jesus to fix it, waiting to get out of this dirty and sinful and lost and broken world? I don't know if you've heard those kinds of messages growing up, but that's what I heard. Uh, there's this funny story about a, a mom who 
you know, your kids get to a certain age and when they're not the same gender as you and there aren't gender-neutral bathrooms, you, you, you tend to send them into the boys' room if you have a boy and you're a mom. And so this mom, you know, uh, the boy grows up and can't go into the bathroom with her anymore. And so the first time, you know, they're out in public and he's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And she's like, oh no! So she kneels down and gets down on one knee and she's like, okay, Timmy, listen up. Just like Pastor Dan says, get in, get out, and touch as little as possible. <laughs> like, just like Pastor Dan says all the time to us about the world we live in, get in, get out, and touch as little as possible. Like, that's the sort of de facto worldview that I grew up hearing. Like, this world is brutal, it's ugly, it's sinful, it's dirty, so get in, get out, and touch as little as possible, which sort of left us standing looking at the sky. Like, I don't know how much this word to the men of Galilee who heard it first functioned as an exhortation, but I think I'm on pretty solid ground to say that for modern, Western, both Catholic and Protestant Christians, there is a fair critique available to us from the angels. Like, men and women of modern Christianity, why do you stand there looking up at the sky? Why are you holed up in your gated communities and fortresses you call churches, waiting for Jesus to take you away from the world? Didn't you hear what we are saying to you? Jesus is returning to you. He's coming back to the earth. Didn't you hear Jesus when he prayed? May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Like you're not waiting to be evacuated from some waiting room. Like you, I don't know if you've ever heard this idea of waiting room theology or waiting room Christianity, which is this idea that like all these Christians are sitting around in a waiting room waiting for Jesus, the good doctor, to come back and like take them away from the waiting room. I mean, friends, the problem with this is that it isn't remotely biblical. Like it's not even close to the biblical vision of the world. Like save one passage in 1 Peter that talks about the, the world burning up, which is a metaphor, BTW, um, it isn't what Jesus taught. It's, it's not even what Paul taught, though many have misinterpreted him or those, someone who wrote in his name. It certainly isn't a Jewish understanding, and quite frankly, it's not all that good of news. So I want to argue this morning that the utterance to the angels in Acts chapter 1 functions for us in 2020 as an exhortation as a reminder that the vision, the telos of the world, or the whole Jesus movement is one where God returns sits on the throne of this kingdom called love that Jesus died and was resurrected to establish. Like, there's a number of questions that might come from that assertion. Fine. It's more biblical than this idea that we're going to be evacuated someday. Like, um, the, the song, I'll Fly Away, while it's a fun song to sing, it's just rubbish theology, unfortunately. So, waiting room theologies are not going to cut it. And this word in Acts chapter 1, why are you standing here looking at the sky? Jesus is going to return to the earth. Functions for us, I would argue, as an exhortation, a reminder that that is not the worldview or the vision the Bible is offering as far as the future. So why are you standing there looking at the sky? It functions as an encouragement and as an exhortation. And lastly, I would say it functions as an invitation. Um, when I was a kid, we used to have VHS. I don't even know what that stands for, by the way. Um, probably video something. Uh, either way, we had a VHS collection, you know, tapes that we would put into our DV, no, our, our VHS player. 
And it included, um, for sure, the final round of the 92 Masters when Fred Couples won. I know, you guys have seen that like a million times. It's amazing. But it also included a number of videos containing the, the star of Hockey Night in Canada, a guy named Don Cherry, who was just a real goofball. Uh, and Don Cherry had a series of videos called Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em Hockey. <laughs> we used to watch these things over and over and over again. And Don Cherry was this kind of old school hockey guy who would have, who, who would have loved the phrase, like the other day I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. Like he was old school, he was from another area where hockey was equal parts a game you played and a free-for-all between men where people just beat each other up and hit each other and that was totally normal. And he couldn't stand guys who weren't willing to get in the mix and muck it up, like people who wouldn't hit or check or back check. Uh, and he had this famous line where he'd say, don't just stand there, hit or fight or do something. We're living in a unique place in time and in space and history where we're, we're between significant acts in the redemptive moments of God, between Jesus and the consummation of the kingdom Jesus died and resurrected uh, and was resurrected to establish. And the point I'm making here is that we have a job to do until the coming return of Jesus to the world. Like N.T. Wright talks about fifth act hermeneutics, that there are six kind of large sweeping ideas in the scriptures. You have creation and fall, Israel, Jesus, Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, and then act number five is the church, the one we're in right now, and then act number six is the kingdom of God. So we're between act four, Jesus' death and resurrection, and act six, the final consummation of that kingdom, and so now we're the church. And the point I'm making here is that we have a job to do, and there's a very good chance that we know enough about that job to not stand around and do nothing. So as Don Cherry would say, hit or fight or do something. Don't hit or fight, I'm a bit of a pacifist. So, but, but do something for crying out loud. And as, even as I say that, I know there's a fine line and a balance to be struck between being and doing, right? Like between receiving the gift of grace that we cannot earn, that we receive that, and receiving it so much so that it compels us to do something, to say yes to the invitation of Jesus, to be his witnesses in this passage from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So until that same Jesus returns to us, the same way he was taken, you, me, the church of Jesus, like we have a job to do. We know what to do. And it's not stand here looking at the sky. It's to follow the way of Jesus with our very lives that leads to sacrificial love, even for our enemies, to give and love and pour ourselves out as the good gift, the Eucharist for the healing of the world. This is what God has invited us, the church, to do and be. Historically, and, and here's a fa fascinating one. Like historically, when, when the church shines, when the church like uh, explodes and the love of God is poured out in the world in, in, in fascinating and unexplainable ways are typically when the church is under distress and duress. When the church is oppressed or even, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like when they kill, persecuted. So, we are in a very interesting time in this world that we're living in right now, like a global pandemic. I was talking to someone this week and they said that uh, they were having a conversation with a friend who said, I wonder if the mission of the church, the job of the church, like this isn't an opportunity to, to ramp that up, to really live into that, to really live out the good news of the gospel, that the people who follow this resurrected Jesus literally lay down their lives for their, for, even for their enemies. 
And I'm guessing that like that message and that testimony would probably do a little more good in the world to convince someone that this Jesus is worth following than any bullhorn guy standing on the corner with a John 3.16 poster. You know what I'm saying? So what about in a COVID-19 world? How do we hear the invitation of the angels in, in, a 20, in 2020 in a global pandemic? Like, why are you standing there looking up at the sky? What could we say about this moment to the church? Could we say, why are you standing there waiting for the government to move? I love democracy and I'm so glad that we live in one, but why are, be careful not to put your trust in any government, in any politician or any political system. Our allegiance is to one kingdom, one system, and that is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Jesus, which is built on love. So why are you standing there waiting for the government to move? You know what to do. Could we say, why are you standing there waiting for your neighbor to move? You can do something, even now. You can call your friends, your neighbors. You can write handwritten cards and mail them at the post office, you know, Cliff Clavin style. Could we say, why are you standing there with all this resource in your hands? That's not everybody, I recognize that, but it is many of us, myself included. Could we say, here's one, could we say, why are you standing there with desperate need but not reaching out to the local community that you belong to? Friends, Awaken is poised and ready to give and love and care for people. And we're racking our brains trying to engage and, and, and I, I know that there are needs out there. I know that some of you are struggling. I know that some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you maybe even have lost friends or loved ones. And if there is struggle and if that's real, could, could we say, why are you not reaching out to the church that you call home? Many of you have given sacrificially and we have a benevolence fund that is full ready to care for and love and be exactly what you need in this moment of struggle. So maybe just pa let me pause for a second and do a little commercial and say, friends, if you call Awaken Home and you have, you're, in, you're in need, if it's desperate and you're not letting us know that, please let us know. I know that's hard and I know that means you have to say like, I need something. And that's tough, especially in the world that we live in. I get it. But I wonder if there isn't an encouragement to you this morning. The church shines when, when the world wonders, where is God? And, and, and how will this end? And how will this get any better? So let's be the church. Let's stand up. Let's stand in the gap and love and serve and give ourselves away in the name of Christ. So let me close with these three questions. Do you need to hear an encouragement today from Acts chapter one? Let me be the one to remind you maybe that the same Jesus who is alive, was resurrected from the dead, will return to you the same way he left, alive. Because Jesus is fit to complete what he began when he walked out of the grave. The church is, is here and now, and this is the moment we are living in. And what we are, what we are hoping for, what we are looking forward to, what our gaze is fixed on, 
is the fact that Jesus will return. So be encouraged. The kingdom that Jesus began with love, Jesus will come and sit on that throne of love again. Do you need to hear the exhortation of Acts 1 today? Why are you standing looking at the sky? There is a job to be done. There are things to do. Jesus has no intention of evacuating you and all the other holy people in this world. Rather, this beautiful and good creation that God has made will be restored, redeemed, and remade. And God intends to use you and me and the church in the process. So stop staring at the sky waiting. Or do you need to hear the invitation of Acts 1? You know what to do. All you who follow this Jesus, be the Eucharist, the good gift that you are to the world, and be the church. Let me offer a word of prayer and lead you into a time of silence. God, we thank you for this day. Um, we rec- I recognize, I, I guess I believe, that while you do not author suffering and pain in the world, and so I do not attribute the situation that we are in to you, I'm grateful that we find you in the midst of it, that we are not alone, that you are not some, some, in some far off place distant from us and don't care about our world and our life. You do, and you're right here in the middle of it. And so I pray that you might find us where we are and bring an encouragement or an exhortation and an invitation to remind us that you are at work and that by some, for some reason, you have invited us to join you in that work. And so, Holy Spirit, would you even now prompt and remind us of the things that we have or even give us the courage to to ask for help that we might need. And I pray that Awaken would be the kind of church that stands in those gaps um, for those who call it home and for the, the people who live near it. I pray. And so f- maybe just for the next moment of silence, would you ask the Lord to lead? Uh, ask the Holy Spirit to guide and bring to mind what needs to be brought to mind for you this morning. As we close this morning, uh, we wanted to close with a song that uh, essentially offers a prayer, a longing, a desire that God would make us instruments of peace and that God would bring God's peace and shalom 
uh, to our world right here and right now with varying degrees, with increasing degrees uh, that we might be vessels used to pour out God's love and God's grace and God's peace. So sing with us on this song and then we'll move to a time of communion. Peace. 
And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. Don't forget, but remember. And in the same way, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood shed for you. Whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. Friends, this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith or you who have little, you who have been here often or you who have not been here for a long time or ever before, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come, not because the church invites you or because I invite you, but because the resurrected, risen, alive Jesus the Christ invites you to be known and to be fed here at the table. As you take the bread, receive these words. The body of Christ broken for you. And as you receive the cup, or as you take the cup, receive these words. The blood of Christ shed for you. So receive this blessing and benediction as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Until next week, my friends, grace and peace to you. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community. Community. See you next time.